DiscerningHearts.com presents Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors. I'm your host, Chris McGregor, and I am delighted to be joined by Dr. Matthew Bruinger, who is an Associate Professor of Psychology at Franciscan University of Steubenville. He is a research fellow with the Austin Institute for the Study of Family and Culture, as well as a member of the Catholic Psychotherapy Association. He is the founder of Wellspring Counseling and Coaching in Steubenville, Ohio. With Dr. Matthew Bruinger, we go inside the pages of Finding Freedom in Christ, Healing Life's Hurts, published by Emmaus Road. Matthew, thank you so much for joining me. I'm honored to be here. Thanks for having me, Chris. I cannot tell you how thrilled I am, and I want everybody to pick up a copy of Finding Freedom in Christ, Healing Life's Hurts. Matthew, there have been books that have been brought forward with holy, pious intentions of hearts on helping people to learn to heal, especially and heal the wounds that hurt us so much mm. in so many different areas of our lives. But I think this one is actually the best one I've read. Your approach to this unites how God made us in that open to have relationship with him, but also to engage our will in trying to become the person, the whole person that he has designed us to be. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, it does. It does. How did you get started? Well, I mean, what, tell us, tell us how you got started with us. So this, in some ways, like a lot of work, it comes out of some of my own experience and having, you know, had my own hurts and my own wounds and my own pains and having been introduced to really loving, beautiful people who walked with me and worked with me and introduced me to not only to the church. So I I sort of was introduced, reintroduced to the faith when I was like 19 or 20, Mm -hmm. not only sort of reintroduced me to the faith and the wisdom and the riches of, of the church and the sacraments and, but also introduced me to sort of other avenues of healing. And as I went on to pursue, I I did a master's degree in theology at Ave Maria University. And then I did my doctoral work in psychology at Baylor. And as I started to read more theology and dive into psychology, I saw this like beautiful coherence, this sort of what I had learned and what had worked for me and what the church was saying, what scripture was saying, and some of the, the parts of psychology. I mean, Psychology has its issues and problems, and but there, there's still a lot there that can really help and benefit people. And so I started to see this sort of beautiful picture emerge. And so I was asked to give a talk to students on healing. And I will say too, in some ways, this has been motivated by, I did a lot of work with alcoholics and addicts in my training. I became very familiar with the 12 steps. There's a rich wisdom in the 12 steps that most people who aren't alcoholics or addicts would never have access to. And interestingly enough, uh, Bill Wilson, the founder of AA, Mm -hmm. um, his spiritual director was a Jesuit priest named Father Ed Dowling. Bill Wilson actually was receiving catechetical instruction from uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen for a while and had really thought about converting and had, there were some stumbling blocks. And so he never ultimately converted, but he's very open to Catholics actually. And it, it emerges in the 12 steps The fourth step for Bill Wilson is you have to essentially go through this admission of all of your wrongs and defects. Mm -hmm. And he says, those of you who belong to denominations that require confession 
will want to and must seek out the appropriate authority. And this was a nod to, to Catholic. I mean, he really felt like there's something beautiful here for Catholics to, to latch onto. So anyway, I have all of these sort of uh, streams of influence. And I write this talk for students. And I gave it one, one evening. And it seemed to resonate with them really strongly. It struck me how much our hearts are hurting. And these are good. I mean, I'm at Franciscan. We, we have great students here. I mean, we have good, faithful students. Our daily masses have more people than most Sunday masses in, in parishes. I mean, mm-hmm. and yet the the amount of pain and hurt and suffering that they didn't know what to do with. They didn't know how to bring to our Lord. They didn't know how to cope with their response struck me. And so from that talk, I mean, I just kept, I sat on it for a year or two. And then the word that kept coming to me, and I'm not a, um, I'm not sort of traditionally charismatic, Chris, in the sense of like, you know, and so I don't oftentimes feel like I'm getting prophetic words or things like this, but, Mm -hmm. But man, do I feel like God put on my heart, the word freedom kept coming up over and over and over. Freedom, freedom, freedom. And I was sitting in mass and the priest read Galatians, or the lector read Galatians 5.13, you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. And it was like this light bulb one. I mean, it was just, yes. I mean, all of a sudden this word that had been in my heart, this talk I had given, like God wants us to have freedom. And from the very beginning, I mean, it just sort of clicked. From the very beginning, after Adam and Eve fall, God sort of says in that, in that proto-evangelium, that first gospel, the first good news, he says, like, I'm going to make this right. And from that moment forward, he, he like calls us back to freedom. He calls us to freedom. And Christ's mission is this mission of liberating, but not just spiritually. I mean, he wants to liberate us from the bondage of sin and death. Absolutely. But all of the baggage of original sin, the psychological disorder, the physical disorder, and some of that will only be completed in the beatific vision in heaven. But man, can we, I think we can begin to taste that freedom so much more now than we oftentimes do. And Catholics seem hungry for it. And Catholics are, are at least my experience, and I love doing therapy because it reminds me, and I think I say this in the book, it reminds me time after time when that door closes and I'm working with prominent Catholics and They crack their heart open a little bit. And I see how much we are all suffering, how much pain we're all in. And it's just a reminder that we are all hurting, all of us. And so this book is for the Catholic in the pews who's hurting, who's anxious, who's angry, who's depressed, who wants to experience freedom because they know that somehow the church is this place where, where we're called to freedom, but they don't quite know how to touch it. They don't know how to get it. You know, they presented themselves to the sacraments over and they just don't feel like it's ever taken root. And I think this book, I'm trying to to help them figure out how to let the grace that God has from this healing grace to just touch them finally. Well, that's so beautiful because I mean, even as you said in the the very first chapter, everyone suffers. Everyone. And I don't care if you're the the wealthiest person on the planet, you, pain is pain, right? And Part of it is this desire that we have to run from it because we don't want to suffer. Because in itself, suffering is, we're not supposed to desire it. No, no, that's right. Do you know what? um, So I was was talking to Dr. Han this past week and we're sitting on his porch and we're kind of talking about the book a little bit. And he said, and I think this is spot on. He said, Christ comes to heal us from our fear of suffering. So a a huge Mm -hmm. portion of, 
of what causes us problems in life is actually this fear of suffering. And so we have unwanted feelings, we have unwanted memories, we have unwanted thoughts, we have uncomfortable uh, physiological, right, like, like pits in our stomach, and and we don't like this. And so we try to avoid it. And we try to avoid it in all sorts of ways. Sometimes we numb ourselves out with drugs and alcohol. We distract ourselves with Netflix or video games or eating. Um, and sometimes it's more cunning than that. Sometimes we turn to success. So I work really, really hard and I become prominent and I exceed at all costs. And I and that way I get to avoid the pain and suffering of feeling like a failure or feeling unlovable or feeling unworthy. But so many of our problems, Chris, I think are caused by exactly what you said. We want to avoid suffering. And in our attempts to avoid suffering, we spend a lot of effort, energy, and attention running. And that makes us, I think, more anxious and more unhappy. You know, a, a particular gentleman comes to mind who I've, I've worked with. It came from a family with tremendous alcoholism in his background. Right? The father was a raging alcoholic. And this particular individual had tremendous chaos and insecurity in their childhood, particularly financial insecurity. I mean, the, the lights were always being shut off. The phone was being shut off. The, the house was almost put up for sale. This is so destabilizing to a child. So scary. So this individual decides, like, I'm never going to experience that insecurity again. The, the thought of feeling that suffering drove this individual to become incredibly prominent and successful in his field. But the cost of that success was relationships with his family, relationships with his kids. He's in a profession that I'm not sure he really likes. He works hours that I know he doesn't like, but it helps him avoid the suffering. We want to run from that suffering. And so in running from suffering, I think we end up creating crosses of our own making. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, Chris, I mean, I think healing, one way of thinking about healing is healing is like, is learning to suffer well. We're not going to avoid the cross in this life. We're not. But to be healed is to learn how to hold my suffering and to hold it in a way that's like not defensive. It's not reactionary. I don't try to run from it or avoid it or push it down. I don't try to protect or preserve myself. It's to learn to hold my suffering like Christ did in the garden. And sometimes that means I weep. And sometimes that means I, I gnash my teeth, and some, but I hold it. I think that's a, one of the marks of healing is to, to suffer well. Yeah, I think part of that is, and you dive into it so beautifully in the book, and finding freedom in Christ, healing life's hurts is that to get there, there has to be, at least for me, I, and I had to learn this, it took mm -hmm. years, mm -hmm. but that the father loves me. He wants nothing but my greater good. He allows all things, even in his providential care, he permissive will, he will yes. allow all things, but I know he loves me and he wants my greater good. So if this is happening, then I enter into it with him. Yeah. Yeah, your your point. God loves me. This is it's really hard to heal unless I first believe that I'm I'm deeply loved. Because I think I think part of healing is we have to identify those hurts and those wounds. We have to identify the ways that we've tried to protect ourselves, and we have to hand them to Christ and allow Him to touch them. I think we don't heal because we don't know how to hand Him our wounds. That's why the cover of the book. I I love this image um, of doubting Thomas. Right, Thomas sticking his finger. And it's like Christ is almost pulling his hand deeper into the wound. 
Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that wound is, is his love for us. It, it is the cross. That wound is a, a visible sign of his love. And we're healed by touching his love, by being touched by his love. And I think we don't know, quite know how to do that. But in order to even be willing to risk handing Christ my wounds, I have to first trust. I have to trust God. And so many of us in our hurts, because we've been hurt by parents and by loved ones, and by, we have a hard time trusting. We have a hard time that tr- trusting that God isn't like my parents. God isn't like my dad or like my mom or like, you know, most of us have, you know, we have pretty good parents, but there's oftentimes still some hurt and some pain there and some distrust. And does God really want this part of me? Can God really handle this part of me? And so you're hundred percent right that learning to trust this love. And so that's one of the steps in the book is trying to deepen this belief that God really does like love me and he's trustworthy, and he can hold all of me. And it's so easy if you have kids. I mean, I see it now with my little ones. They're just like my heart. Like, I just love them, Chris. Sometimes I look at them, and I feel like my heart is at, like going to explode. I've had these moments where I actually feel like a physical, like I just love them so much. And mm-hmm. then I, I realize like that's and, and there's nothing they could do. There really isn't. I get frustrated. I'm imperfect. I get frustrated. You know, I lose my temper. Absolutely. But gosh, like the God, the father has that kind of like paternal love for me. Like he, his heart bursts with love. Why? Because I'm his. The same reason I love my three-year-old. It's not like she does anything. Lucia Catherine does nothing to provide for the family. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If, if my love was, if it was based on like her value and like what she provided to us, it'd be nothing. But it's not because of anything she does. It's just like, it's because she's mine. Like that's why I love her. Cause she, cause she is, she's just lovable. And that God would look at us with that, like that. And when she hurts, I hurt, I do. And to realize that that's how God feels about us. When we hurt, he hurts. That to me is a huge step in this. And one that I've actually, I've developed this program. That, that step I think is so important that I've actually developed this program through my therapy practice where we, it's a 12-week program called Known Embraced by the Heart of the Father. And the, the entire purpose of those 12 weeks is so that you can rediscover your identity as a beloved son or daughter of the Father. Because that to me seems so, so many clients come in and say, um, here are my goals. Here's what I want to get better. Here's what I want to do. And I think you can't know or trust your goals until you first know that you're loved. Because so often our goals are about creating security for ourselves because we don't mm-hmm. trust that we're loved. We don't trust that we're okay. We don't trust that we're safe and secure. So we come up with all these goals that we think will make us feel safe or will make us feel valuable or make us feel worthwhile. or will... And I think you have to start from that place of safety and security and love. Like, and then you can trust the goals that flow from there. And so, so I've even taken that second step and sort of expanded it into a bigger program because I think it's so crucial, Chris. I think it's so foundational. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. I mean, I can't agree yes. with you more. Yes. We'll return to Inside the Pages in just a moment. Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, 
prayers, and more, go to DiscerningHearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. We now return to Inside the Pages. The thing is that you described for your children, and I have kids too, it's not that you cannot desire their good or want to know that they're okay and how can I help them. It's not that you cannot stop. It's that you will not stop. I know. It's that I kind know. of love. You just you want to know they're going to be okay, that they've got all their stuff. Because that's what love does. I know. Love is that type of sharing. And that's just a, a glimpse. That love that we have, that's the, only the glimpse. The same thing for God. I, I he know. wants it. He will not stop. And so much so that he will die on that cross for us to show us how much. That's what's so beautiful about the book. And even in the steps that you bring forward for us, a part of it is that, here we go, yeah. it's that Our Lady untie her knots. You got to untie mm-hmm. those knots because it, yes, it's yeah. not just one wound. And I have to say this real quick, Matthew. I mean, mm-hmm. there are a lot of people who will look and say, I want a healing. I want to be fixed right now. I or I'm, or I got this healing over here and I'm done. But it. you show, because no. we're complicated. We're complicated. You know, and it's not that it's not maybe going to happen that quick. No, and it's going to be work. And what I what I do want to caution people against, and I, I tried to in the introduction, but this is real work. And so mm-hmm. you're going back into difficult memories and experiences, and, and you're opening up doors um, to parts of your heart and mind that maybe you've spent a fair amount of effort closing. And you're opening these up in order to like bring everything to surrender all things to God's divine love and light. And that is hard. That is scary. It's vulnerable. You can feel incredibly sort of raw, but it it's also work. And so, you know, I ask people to sort of take pen to paper in this one and to, to write these things out and to try to identify these wounds, but not only identify the wounds, but almost more importantly, identify how you've chosen to cope with the wound. How have you adopted a, a, a way of protecting or self-preserving? That's hard to admit. Some of these things get really intertwined with our personalities. We've adopted them so early that it feels like me. It feels like who I am. That's just who I am. And so part of what we have to do too is let go of parts of ourselves that we've adopted or, or nourished or nurtured. We have to let go of those parts of ourselves because we've adopted them to keep ourselves safe. And the problem with that kind of armor is that it blocks this touch. It blocks this healing grace of God. 
it's a, yeah, yeah, it's given us some sort of security, but it's a security of our own making. And so to let that go, Chris, is hard and it's, it is a lot of work and it's not overnight. And I will say this too, in the book, I talk about two different types of healing. And so sometimes God heals us and it's just, it's removed. We do this work and the thing's gone, but there's this other type of healing. So, so my definition of healing is having the freedom to go wherever God wants you to go. Healing is having the freedom to love the way you were created to love, to, to respond to God's call. And that means that we have that curious example of St. Paul, where St. Paul says, I have this thorn in my flesh. And whatever that thorn is, it's a wound. It's a hurt. It hurts. We have a hawthorn tree in our backyard and my kids have stepped on the thorns a couple of times. <laughs> Turns Ouch. out thorns are incredibly painful, right? Mm-hmm. So that thorn, that hurts. St. Paul, this isn't some schlep like me. Like this is St. Paul who asked God to remove it three times and God doesn't remove it. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My, my power is made perfect in weakness. And so did, did God leave St. Paul unhealed? I don't think so. I think what St. Paul gets is St. Paul gets this healing where he's free to go wherever God calls him and bring the wound with him. And that is a real healing. It's a real healing because I think a lot of us, Chris, structure our lives to not have our thorns touched. I've got this wound, this insecurity, this fear, this anxiety. And so I organize and I control my life. I manipulate the people and the situations so that it doesn't touch my wounds. It doesn't touch my fears, my insecurities. my. But then I'm not free. Mm-hmm. Right? If God says, hey, go this way, I go, I can't go that way, God, because that's going to touch this. Or I'll go that way after I move this thing aside. I'm not free. I, I'm a slave to my pain because I have to orchestrate life to avoid it, or I have to avoid things in life to not have my pain touched. But St. Paul shows me another way, which is, and this, this is when we say it's hard, back to your original point, it's hard because sometimes we just have to um, go where God is calling us and bring our suffering with us. And that, that is, that's the cross. Part of, part of this book is aimed at helping us get rid of the crosses that we've created so that we can get back to carrying the cross that God has crafted for us. But that is, again, that's hard. This, isn't, this book is not about freedom from all suffering. I can't do that. If I could do that, I'd be very wealthy. <laughs> I would also be a charlatan, you know, because there's mm-hmm. no such thing. There's no such thing. This is getting back to learning how to suffer well, not add to our suffering, and how to learn to accept the suffering and still find that deep sense of peace and meaning and being able to go where God calls me, despite the fact that I'm bringing my thorn with me. And here's what it turns out in my experience, Chris. And and I think members of AA are amazing examples of this, but oftentimes that wound, that thorn, God allows you to keep it precisely because he's going to use that very wound or thorn to bring about healing and freedom for others. That wound becomes redeemed in the sense that God now uses your wound in your loving service to others. You can touch people in ways only you can touch them because Mm -hmm. you bring this with you and it's unique to you. Yeah. It's learning how to accept Mm, and yes. it's transformative in actuality. What I hear you saying, it's not unlike what happens 
and people uh, hope they'll forgive me and I'm I'm this kind of would pale as a, as an example but in the Eucharist yeah. for example the host yes yes once it's just bread it's just something that sustains us it has mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. but until it has that touch mm-hmm. of heaven when that is that of the presence of Christ yes becomes something that when we take that in then it's transformative it's mm-hmm. changes and yeah. that's he does that in our wounds and our yes. suffering and what we yeah. come and offer right but we yeah 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 that, i like that actually so to, as you know bring extending the analogy i mean we do in the eucharistic prayer we say like look we're bringing this offering to you lord we mm-hmm. bring this offering and then it becomes touched by the Holy Spirit, and it's transformed, right? In the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. But so too, we have to bring Christ our wounds. We have to bring them. We have to make this offering, this total surrender of ourselves, the good and the bad. But we have to be very clear what that is. And so a big part of these steps is like, what am I presenting to the Lord? What are those thoughts? What are those false beliefs? What are those wounds? What are those self And there's a saying, you know, wherever it came from, but we're only as sick as our secrets. Mm. Some part of this is really taking all of those things that we were so ashamed of or so and bringing it into the light and saying, here you go, God, I need you to touch this. And it's your touch is transformative. Not every healing in the gospels requires touch, but some of them do. And I think that's very deliberate and, and important for us to see that Christ either touches or allows himself to be touched for healing to occur. This is what I think he wants with our, with our emotional hurts, our pains, our, our difficult memory. He wants to touch them, but we have to offer, we have to bring our offering. And so some of this book is helping you appreciate what is that offering you're bringing here? I am God, maybe for the first time in my life here, I am as I am like stripped of all of the excesses, either too much or too little like the ways i protect overly protect myself by being big and dynamic and or the ways i try to protect myself by being small and weak and frail here i am it comes down to in, in a lot of ways like this deep conversion this daily conversion so so this book your point about it being hard it, this book is about daily conversion it's not a it's not a you're touched and you're good no this is this is a way of life This is actually a way of life. This concludes part one of our conversation. With Dr. Matthew Bruinger, we've gone inside the pages of Finding Freedom in Christ, Healing Life's Hurts. To learn more about this book or to obtain a copy, visit stpaulcenter.com, the website for its publisher, Emmaus Road Publishing, or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app. You can also view this conversation on the Discerning Hearts YouTube channel. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about 
discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors.